Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. For this morning, we, uh, for those of you who are visiting, we are going through the Gospel of John, as you know, and we are in chapter 11. For this morning, we will pick up from John 11, verse 38. For, for those of you who want to take your time and turn to that section, I will be using the NIV version. Feel free to use whatever translation that you have as you read along with us. Just a brief review to catch everyone up to where we're at. John 11 is on the death of Lazarus, as you may know. Rain, can you tell me down a little bit, Rain? I feel like I'm really loud. Am I loud to you guys? To my kids, I'm never loud enough, right? <laughs> I feel like I'm never loud enough to my kids. There you go. Um, so if, 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 I'm, if I sound okay, then that's fine. Just leave it. So just to briefly catch you guys up, this chapter started with Mary and Martha. They sent word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick, and Lazarus is a brother of Mary and Martha, and Lazarus, in this case, is dying. Uh, Jesus received word that the one you love is sick. um, However, he did not hurry back, but waited two days before starting the journey to Bethany, Bethany was where Lazarus, Mary, and Martha were. So keep in mind, back in those days, you know, when they started the journey, is walking. They don't have the luxury of, of Uber or the cars like we do. So it took them a day of traveling to get from, from where Jesus was to Bethany. So he came back to Bethany. Bethany is a place where the Jews just recently tried to stone him. We could see that in um, uh, chapter 9. But Jesus came back, and I wanted to emphasize this. He came back because of what he said in verse 4. He said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be revealed. So there was a purpose. There's an intentionality of why Jesus was coming back. So uh, uh, as we read through chapter 11, he comforted Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, whom he also loved. Uh, he comforted them in the, comforted them in the process. Uh, he reminded us that Jesus, through his conversation with Martha, that he is the resurrection and the life. So if we believe in Jesus, we will have eternal life. Martha, Mary, and most of the crowd professed to believe in Jesus. Right? Believe that Jesus was a, was a Messiah because uh, Martha actually said that. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. However... However, they were still not able to comprehend what Jesus would do next. Right? To them, the people back then, and to some degree us nowadays, um, still thought that death was the ultimate, ultimate ending. Right? Nothing can defeat death. That's why they said among themselves, when Kalina ended last Sunday with verse 30, 37, could not... He who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept 
this man from dying. So as in, Jesus, who opened the eyes of a man who was born blind, who was born blind for 38 years, he could have kept Lazarus from dying if he came back sooner, right? before Lazarus died. But since Lazarus died, they couldn't comprehend, well, he's dead, so he's done. No, game, game over. So they believed that, Lazarus, that Jesus could have kept Lazarus alive, but it was no longer possible to do anything now since Lazarus has been dead for four days, not just yesterday, but been dead for four days. So obviously there are some people who saw, these are the same people who saw what Jesus did in chapter 9. Right, so this takes us to verse 38. And this morning in the passage I will work through from John 11, verses 38 through 46, we will look at the most incredible miracle performed by Jesus in public. Jesus has done this before to Jairus' daughter. If you read Mark chapter 5, he actually brought Jairus' daughter back. Uh, she was uh, dying, and, and he brought her back, but that was done in, in private because Jesus told everyone else to leave the room except for a few people. This event was in the open, in public, in front of everyone. So when I say this is the most incredible miracle, it's just my personal opinion. Uh, but by a lot of theologians that I've read. And also, this event was recorded by historians who did not believe in Jesus. They recognized that something strange happened. It was a miracle. And this passage is, is a climax of the most incredible miracle performed by Jesus. And it is an ab another absolute proof that shows the undeniable divinity of Jesus. So we are, we are approaching the climax of the story, not just for Lazarus. It's awesome that Lazarus came back alive, right? But this story is all about Jesus. We need to keep that in mind and keep that in focus on how Jesus was the one who brought Lazarus back to life after he died and was buried for four days. I've been using the term miracle, but it is not an exaggeration. Because the actual term miracle, what it means by definition, miracle is an event that happened which cannot be explained by the natural laws or the scientific laws. So when, so anyway, all right, let's, let's get into the stories, right? It's like, Hugh, you're talking about the story, talking about the climax, but let's get into it. Uh, let's read verse 38. John 11, verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad order, but for he has been, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. So let's try to break this passage down together, all of us. 
It started with Jesus was deeply moved, as in deeply troubled. We saw this earlier in verse 33 when, but verse 33, it was Jesus was deeply moved in the spirit. In the spirit, as in in verse 33, he was troubled. In the spirit, as in being deeply moved inwardly. Right? However, in this verse, Jesus was deeply moved outwardly, as in deeply moved in his physical appearance. Physical appearance, as in you can tell that he was deeply moved. People were able to observe that he was deeply moved as he came to the tomb. And the reason for Jesus to be deeply troubled, and also another translation is, is frustrated or angry because Jesus hates sin. He hates sin and the consequences of sin. He hates sin and the cause of sin, which is death. We know that, right? I think we know that. Jesus hates sin because it separates us from him. Jesus hates sin because it keeps us from being in relationship with God. Jesus hates sin because it keeps us from, from, from being with God, being in his presence. And also Jesus was deeply moved, or if I can say deeply anger, angry at how sin caused such sadness to those he loved. I mean, caused us. We are the people that he loved. Sin caused us as people whom he loves to be separated from him and cause death to those he loved, right? Jesus was, so again, now we, if, if we understand why, that helps us to understand why he was deeply moved. Because he was deeply moved, he was deeply troubled, he was deeply angry and deeply frustrated at sin because of what had happened to Lazarus. Not only to Lazarus, but to all people, all of us. So just keep that in mind that the love that Jesus had for Lazarus wasn't just for Lazarus alone before all people throughout history. And we need to understand that's who Jesus is. So anyway, it is the same as if you were deeply troubled by something that caused pain and suffering to the ones you love, right? Hopefully, you should be deeply moved, deeply troubled, deeply anger at the thing that's causing, for example, the thing that's causing pain to, to my children or the things that's causing pain to my, to my wife. We should all be deeply moved in anger. That's the kind of love that Jesus has for, not only for Lazarus, but for all of us. So that's when Jesus commanded the people to take away the stone. This wasn't a request. As we read this, we need to know this was not a request. It was a command. Jesus told people to take away the stone. It's a symbolism as in Jesus wanting people not only to be a witnesses, he didn't just want them to sit there and watch, but he wanted to be not only as a witness to the miracle of life, but he also wants them to play a role in this. How would you like to be the people that say, hey, you know what, I was there. Not only did I see it, but I helped move the stone from the entrance. And I get to witness and took, play a role in that. Because he could have very well taken away the stone himself. He has shown the power to do amazing and miraculous feats, right, to nature. He changed water into wine, right? We talked about that in John chapter 2. We read in John chapter 6 that Jesus calmed the, wa the wind and the waves. We also learned that Jesus uh, cursed the fig tree when it died in Mark 11 after he left Bethany, which we'll talk about soon. So knowing that, we know that he could have removed the stone himself. 
But he said, take away the stone. Because he wants us to be able to say, we removed the stone. We took a part in this. We did something with this. Because we removed the obstacle so that Jesus can call to life those who did not have eternal life. This is the same as a great commission. And as I was reading this, all I could think of was, it's a great commission. That's what Jesus was saying. Take away the stone. Therefore, go into all the nations and disciple all the people. Well, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said, go. So Jesus wanted us to play a part in giving life. As he was speaking to the people back then, he also constantly always telling us to go. Go and make disciples. Go into all the nations. Because he wants us to do something, right? He wants us to partner with him. He wants us to experience the joy in giving eternal life to someone. He doesn't need us to be involved. I think we know that, right? Just like the same thing as the stone. He doesn't need us to bring the stone aside, but he wants us to take the stone away. I want you to do something. I want you to have a role to play in this. He doesn't need us. He wants us to be involved. He wants the people he loves to be in the, involved in the process of him giving the gift of eternal life. Just like when you experience something so amazing, you want to share that with someone you love, right? Go back to because he loves us. He wants us to take a role into that, uh, in, in what he is experiencing, in what he is doing, in, in the, the mighty purpose that he has for us. And sometimes we forget this very essence of our amazing God, that he wants us to be there with him. He wants us to experience the joy. He wants us to, when, Je when Jesus is revealed or seen by others. And also, sometimes we forget our God is someone who can do the impossible. Do the things that we didn't think that was possible at all. He can do things the mind cannot possibly comprehend. This is what happened in this situation because Martha, even though she just confessed to Jesus that Jesus, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God. This is in verse 27. However, her mind could not comprehend what Jesus can do. That was the reason for her response in verse 39. But Lord, by this time there is a bad smell for he has been there for four days. Martha could not possibly imagine that Jesus can bring the dead back to life after four days. To be honest with you, it's a pretty, pretty big thing for my imagination also, if we're really honest with ourselves. Dead for four days. So how can Lazarus possibly come back? His body has rotted and it has a bad smell. It hit home for me personally because I actually was at a, at a funeral viewing on Friday because one of my colleagues, her husband passed away. So I went to the viewing. He passed away on Sunday night, actually. So Friday was roughly almost four days, five days. So I remember meeting this person and talking with him when he was alive. But then seeing him laying there, it was a sight that I could do without. It was a really, really realization that, wow, he is gone. So even when the mortuary 
I think that's how you say it, the mortuary cosmetologist, the person who does the makeup for the, someone who's dead. Even though that person did an excellent job of making him presentable, in the back of your mind, you just knew that he's done. He's gone. So it was probably the same for Martha, right? At the time, as she was approaching the tomb, even though with Jesus, Martha in her mind was thinking, well, it's final. He's dead. He's been dead. It smells. It's terrible. Don't remove the stone. And especially if she loves her brother, she doesn't want to see the sight of the, the one whom she loves to be rotted with a bad smell. I'm sure the smell would have been terrible. But anyway, so again, just like most questions posed to Jesus, he didn't directly respond to Martha. He didn't respond to her protests about the smell or the sight or that the person has been dead for four days. His response was, did I not tell you if you believe? You will see the glory of God. So he didn't talk about, well, what, would, what that person would look like, what Lazarus would smell like. What, did I not tell you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So Jesus kept his answer as he always has done on the kingdom of God. No matter what. No matter what the situation is, no matter what the question was, always on the kingdom of God. And the one thing that we have learned throughout John so far, we are only on chapter 11, is that Jesus has been completely focused and always single-mindedness in telling everyone about the kingdom of God. Always, all the time. And when there's a kingdom of God, we, re we need to remember there's a king, right? There needs to be a king in the kingdom of God and that king is Jesus. And it's always about the king. Because once you know about the king, then you realize there's a kingdom for that king. And that kingdom is advancing. So when we tell people about Jesus, people come to know Jesus. And that's how the kingdom of God is advancing. And he's always constantly keeping his focus, pointing us, bringing people to what is important, which is the kingdom of God. So as Jesus is revealed to each person, the kingdom of God is advancing. It's advancing in our hearts one person at a time. That's just a reminder for all of us, right? If Jesus is always about the kingdom of God, we, as followers of Jesus, we should follow his example, follow what he has been doing, follow what he's been teaching. That's why we go through John. So we know more about Jesus and, and why and why he did what he did, what he was doing, so we can follow his example, and which is make it all about Jesus. Everything should be all about the kingdom of God with how we live. It's going to be strong. That was convicting to me. Hopefully it's convicting to, to you guys in a good way, as an encouragement, because how we live should always help point people to the kingdom of God. How we go about our days with an emphasis on the kingdom of God. You know, with how we plan for our future with a kingdom-mindedness in terms of what I want to do 10 years down the road, is it something that's helping me pointing people to Jesus? Is it something that's bringing my kids along so they can know more about the kingdom of God? Is it some way, somehow, that I can impact people so they will know more about the kingdom of God? Because that's what Jesus was all about. For us as followers of Jesus, that's what we should be all about. It was strong, right? It's tough. It's challenging. It's convicting. But we have Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we should not worry about why 
and what? We just do what he does. Do what he tells us to do. We live, when we live with a kingdom-mindedness, the glory of God can be seen and experienced by others. Because that's what Jesus was saying. If you believe, then you will see God's glory or the kingdom of God. Kingdom-minded, uh, kingdom-minded lifestyle. That's actually a topic for another sermon. I don't want to go off the topic too much. But so, so let's go back to this question. How can someone see the glory of God? Because you said, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. We can see the glory of God by believing, right? Jesus, that's what Jesus said. If you believe, you will see the kingdom of God. Well, believe in what? Jesus said, if you believe, believe in what? Earlier in this chapter, Jesus said to Martha, Verse 25, 26, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So that's what we believe in. Believe in Jesus. Believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And we will see the glory of God. We will see Jesus for who he is. That the son of the, son of the almighty God believe that Jesus is the, is the resurrection and the life, eternal life, not just life. So all we have to do is believe in Jesus and trust in Jesus. And we will see the glory of God, which is Jesus as the Son of God is revealed, revealed to us and revealed to those around us. Right? So when Jesus said that, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So when, after Jesus said that, the next verse is, so they took away the stone. It is widely assumed and written by many commentaries that Martha consented to this because that's what they were waiting for Martha to, get, to consent to removing the stone because her brother was buried in there to take away the stone. So that was her response to Jesus when Jesus said, if you believe, then that was Martha's response is, I believe God, take away the stone. And just as Martha responded to Jesus' question of if you believe, by following his command, I just really felt for us as a church at Restoration to be the church of people who follow his command also. Like when Jesus said, take away the stone because Martha in her mind was, well, that's going to smell, it's going to look bad, but Jesus, because you said so, I, we will take away the stone and we will trust in you because we want to see the glory of God revealed. And we want to be the people who follow his command and follow his teaching. That's why I always use the term followers of Jesus. Follow him. Follow what he does. Follow his teaching. And as we do that, Jesus will bring life not only to us, to those around us, and bring life to those who will come seeking him. Because when Jesus calls us to take away the stone, we take away the stone. And we will see the glory of God revealed, right? Because he's the one that gives eternal life. He's the one who called Lazarus back to life. People saw what Jesus did, and they realized that Jesus was the son of God. Because as the, some people took the stone away, everyone else got to see that Jesus is the son of God. So just do what Jesus called us to do. No more and no less. Right, because more or less would be maybe the people removed the stone and decided to go in there and carry Lazarus out to Jesus' feet just to help him. 
right? If, if you're trying to be helpful, you would think that's what you would do, right? Jesus said, take away the stone. I'll take away the stone. Well, let me bring Lazarus out and put him at your feet. So no more alone, no less. Just do what he called us to do. No less could be, well, Jesus, I've seen you've done some pretty amazing things, so why can't you remove this stone away? Or we could sit here and say, well, I'm not going to do anything until Jesus, you do something. All we have to do is just do what he asks us to do. Follow his command. He said, take the stone away, take the stone away. No more, no less. And after the stone was removed, we're able to hear Jesus pray. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. So going back to the beginning of John 11, Jesus knew beforehand, three days before, that Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Right? He said so in verse 4. So what Jesus was thanking our Heavenly Father for was for bringing Lazarus to come back to life. He was thanking our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Father, for hearing me. Thank you, Father, that you always hear me. Thank you, Father, for making possible what Jesus had spoken earlier, right? Because Jesus said, this sickness will not end in, in death. So thank you, Heavenly Father, for hearing me and making that happen. And at the same time, Jesus wanted people to know and wanted us to know that our Heavenly Father always, always hear him. He's always listening. Right, just like the song that we sing. We may not feel it, but he's always working, right? We may not know it, but he's always working. We may not think it, but he's always working. That's something that we need to always remind ourselves. So we must take note of this and have the same revelation that our Heavenly Father always hears us. And I feel it's important to make sure that, um, that we know that just because he hears us doesn't mean that we will get what we ask for. It's, it's a little bit challenging, right? Because we know that God always hears us, but God, why wouldn't you give me what I ask for all the time? In this instance, what Jesus asked for came true. Right? However, that's not always the case. We know that Jesus asked for our Heavenly Father to spare him from the death on the cross, right? Because he said so. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. However, it's not my will, but let yours be done. Right? So Jesus asked, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. That's from Luke 22, verse 42. Because Jesus asked for that. He knows a father always hear him. But he still went to the cross. So it's important to recognize that just because God always hears us doesn't mean that we will get what we want. It is challenging. It's challenging for me. Hopefully, it's challenging for all of us. And we can see that not every request was granted or was answered. And just because he doesn't answer or give us what we ask for doesn't mean he does not hear us. We would only know when we come face to face with him. There are many things I'll be honest, there are many, many things I would like to ask God when I come face to face with him. There are many things that I would love to hear an answer to. I think you guys probably feel the same way, right? It's like, God, why did that happen? Just like one of my colleagues, her husband passed away, they have a four-year-old son. I was like, God, why? But we don't know. But we've got to trust in his divine plan and trust that there is a 
there is a plan, and God knows what he's doing. And we got to trust in him and believe in him. That was just one of the many questions that I would have, will have for him. So my encouragement is to continue to do the last thing we heard God told us to do. If we didn't get what we want, once we have completed that task, we will hear from God on what's next. Just as God told them to take away the stone. So until they take away the stone completely, right? So until we do what God told us to do, people will not get to see the greatest miracle performed by Jesus. Right? What if they just move the stone a little bit? It's like, well, Jesus, why don't you do the rest? Because I kind of like give a shoulder shove and move like two feet, two inches. Jesus, why don't you do the rest? Right? Until we do completely remove the stone from the entrance, then God will come and do what he has planned to do. Perform the greatest miracle ever. So when he had said this, after he prayed to the Father, he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I think in some translations say he cried out in a loud voice. As I was reading this, I was like, wow. Cried out? You know that's loud, right? But then in a loud voice, as in a victory cry. As a victory cry because he has crushed death. And he has shown people who is the Son of God. That his glory has been revealed. People now realize that death is not the ending. Death is not the master. Death is not the, the end all. Jesus. Jesus is above death even. That's why I want to emphasize on this loudness and the enthusiasm of Jesus crying out. Like a yell of victory over what he hates. Right, which is sin. We talked about this. Sin and the result of sin, which is death. It was as if your enemy had captured your loved one. Right? I would use this example, and this is not true. Let's say if someone go and capture and kidnap my kid, and I found him, and I, I was going to say I'll beat him up, but I found him and I rescue him. I probably would beat him up too. I would rescue them, and then I cry out, yell out in the cry of victory because I have rescued my son from who knows what future he would have. That's the same thing. Just think of it like that. Because he had rescued those whom he loved from death. And he also wanted everyone to hear and know that Jesus has victory over death, right? He commanded life to come back into a dead body. Because why? He is the resurrection and the life. The one thing, death, I think we know this, right? Because sometimes it's difficult to wrap our minds around this. No amount of strength can overcome death. No amount of wisdom can overcome death. Wealth, people are always trying to prolong their life. You can't overcome death, right? Influence, doesn't matter how many people you know. You can be the most popular person. You can have the most followers on Instagram. You're still going to die. There's no knowledge that you can come overcome death. No technological advancement that can overcome death. But Jesus is the only one that can overcome death. Jesus is the overcomer. He overcomes death. And at the end, with the dead man came out. That was an incredible miracle. I know I make it sound like it's just a little minor point, but 
It is an incredible miracle that Jesus did. And this, if this amazing miracle didn't convince people that Jesus is the Messiah and he is the Son of God, nothing else, nothing else will ever, ever convince people. Nothing else will ever sway the harness within people's heart. So we don't know the responses from Mary and Martha. I'm assuming they were ecstatic. They were unbelievably happy. They, they had this unimaginable joy to see the brother whom they loved came back to life. But the unimaginable joy that we have was nothing compared to the revelation of God's glory. Because the story was focusing on God's glory, not on Lazarus. That's why in the beginning, it was all about Jesus. Lazarus, if I can use that term, was just a side benefit. It's all about God's glory. Like Lazarus' death happened for God's glory. So the Son, the Son of God may be glorified through it, right, in verse 4. It is so God's glory may be, glorif- may be seen through uh, the God's... So it, what am I trying to say? It is so God's glory may be seen by the, God, by the Son of God be glorified through it, may be glorified through it. I just completely butchered that verse. Mary and Martha's unimaginable joy was a benefit also. But the benefit is when Jesus is revealed and what will we learn in the next couple of verses. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. It is all about Jesus. It should always be about Jesus. It should always be about Jesus. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. The emphasis here is many believe. Right? Some, when something happened, but it is for God's glory to be revealed. When the Son of Man, when God's Son, when Jesus is lifted up, many believe. That is the emphasis. That should always be the emphasis. There will always be some who refuse to believe, right? Some who went to the Pharisee and they plotted to take his life. The sad thing is, even in the plotting, they didn't realize that what they were able to achieve was part of God's plan also. I always find that very interesting. You know, when we think we're trying to do something, we're trying to keep people from God, or we're trying to plot to do something bad, it was part of God's plan. So I wanted, I wanted to end with this question. Do we believe that Jesus is the Savior, the Son of God? Do we believe that he is the king in the kingdom of God? Because if we believe, we will see God's glory. If we believe, we will see God's glory. So that means if we believe, then let's follow his command and do what he called us to do. If we believe, take away the stone, then we will see the miracle of God. We will see the miracle of God over our lives, over other people's lives. We will see people being transformed. We will see, we will see people being transformed and come back to life and receive eternal life. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. You will see that Jesus is revealed as the resurrection and the life. If we believe in Jesus, 
we will have eternal life. So let's do what he has called us to do. I want to end with this encouragement that in this chapter, the people took away the stone, just like I've been saying. But it's different for each of us. We know what God called us to do. But when we follow him and follow his command, we will see the glory of God, right? Just like we see in this situation. Take away the stone. Lazarus came back to life. Many believe in Jesus. Maybe I should have ended with that. Many believe in Jesus because God's glory was revealed. People came to realize that God's son, Jesus, is the almighty God. So if we all believe and do what God has called us to do, no matter how difficult it is, I understand it. No matter how challenging it is, no matter how embarrassing it is. If I can be honest, you know, sometimes in the workplace, you're not, talking, you're not supposed to talk about God, right? You're not supposed to talk about Jesus. But if we believe in Jesus and we share with others about who Jesus is, share from our personal revelation, it may be embarrassing, it may be a little bit awkward, but if we believe, we will see God's glory. He will be glorified in that. Even if it's impractical, like I said, even if it's embarrassing, even if it's like have to admit, you know what, yeah, I probably was aiming for something else. I should be aiming for the kingdom of God and working toward that. But when we follow him, I'll do something that even seems illogical or impractical. It doesn't make sense to anyone else, right? Everyone else is pursuing for promotion. Everyone else is pursuing for uh, more payment. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. By the way, I think if you have heard me before, I actually advocate for asking more compensation than you should. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do well, but it should all be under the kingdom of God and fall in line with the kingdom of God. And we should do it because we believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So if we all believe and follow his command, for us, restoration, it will be a church that glorifies Jesus now and always, right? If we believe and follow his command, we will be the church that glorifies Jesus here, right now, and everywhere else, wherever that we go from this place. So um, that's all I have for this morning, for that, uh, for that passage, and I want to encourage you guys to go home and read through that passage again on your own. Just allow God to speak more to you, to reveal to you specifically of his plan and his purpose for you and what he has called you to do and in order to comfort you, in order to reveal to each and every one of us that Jesus is the son of God. And if we believe, he will reveal himself in greater measure that we will come to have a greater revelation of who he is. So um, let's just close. And uh, I'll pray and close for this morning. Father, we just want to thank you for you, God. We just want to thank you for who you are. We just thank you that you, you are speaking to us, that you are comforting your people this morning, that you are encouraging your people this morning, Lord. that you are reminding your people of who you are, God that you are the God of the impossible, that you are the almighty God. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too hard for you. No one is beyond your reach. We're so thankful for that, Lord. 
And I just pray that this morning for those who need to be comforted, Holy Spirit, I ask in the name of Jesus that you will come and comfort those who needed more of your touch, Lord. Just reveal more of who you are to them. I just pray for your grace. I just pray for more of your love right now, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Remind us again that you are the Lord of every victory, that you are always working, that you are the promise maker, the promise keeper, the, 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 the way maker, Lord. Thank you, God. You are the promise keeper. That every single promise that you have spoken, we know and trust that they will come true. I'm so thankful for that, Lord. We just want to thank you for who you are. Give us the strength and the courage and the boldness to follow you. Just like the command that you said, take away the stone that we will have the courage and the perseverance to be able to, in our, each of our own situations, to take away the stone, to partner with you and trusting for the miracle to break through, trusting for the miracle to come through, trusting for you to be lifted up, Lord, trusting for you to be honored, trusting for you, Jesus, to be glorified. We love you, we worship you, and we honor you. And we pray to all these things in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.